The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. If you don't know me, my name is Craig. I'm one of the pastors uh, here, and uh, I work a lot with our student ministry, and it's an honor to hang out with you here uh, on a Sunday morning going through the book of James. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about wisdom and about how God helps us, you know, when we get stuck, what God can do to lead us and guide us. I don't know, have any of you ever been stuck on the road before? Some of you? Yeah. Some of you? Yeah, you've been out there. Yeah, I get worried about it like a lot, like more than I should. If it rains kind of heavy, I drive a little Hyundai Elantra, so I'm just worried like a puddle might make it float away. And like I avoid even those you know, those speed bumps that are kind of triangular shaped, those kind of make me nervous. So I go real slow over those. But imagine I was giving you a place to go that you had never gone before. How, how would you get there? Um, if you're like me, you'd probably put in the address uh, into your GPS, into your maps app on your phone, and then just follow the directions, right? Step by step, get there, however the phone told you to get there. But what if you had to go somewhere without roads? that there was no paved roads to your destination, it would change how you get there, right? You'd be worried about getting stuck. You'd be worried about hitting bumps. You'd be worried about crossing over hills and over valleys. And certainly the terrain uh, would be something that you would just kind of have to take as you come, right? It wouldn't be like, turn left here, turn right now. You know, you just have to kind of use your mind and use your direction and hopefully use something bigger than what you got. Now, what if you were going off-roading And I said, hey, instead of your car, I'm going to let you drive something bigger. I'm going to let you drive the Earth Roamer HD. Do any of you know the Earth Roamer? Oh, we've got a picture of the Earth Roamer. Let me show you the Earth Roamer HD. The Earth Roamer HD. Look at that thing. That is a monster of a vehicle. The Earth Roamer HD uh, is basically a luxury RV built onto the back of an F-750, four by four, of course, of course. And it can handle any terrain, get you across any sort of landscape, no matter what you're facing, and you can do so in comfort. Let's take a look at the inside of the Earth Roamer. This is the inside of the Earth Roamer. It is by far nicer than my first apartment, like by miles, right? It's got, it's got a working kitchen, It's got a flat screen TV, it has a washer dryer, it has heated floors, and solar panels on top to run your electricity. It runs off solar panels and a 115-gallon diesel tank. So it only costs you like $500, $600 to fill it up (laughs) on your way. So if you want one for your summer road trip, uh, they're custom built. So you'd have to put your order in pretty soon, but uh, you would ride in comfort. The, the base model here, the Earth Roamer HD, starts at $1.9 million if you want shares for the base model. I mean, if you want options, you know, it's going to go up even, even more. But you'll have a great road trip, right? Could you imagine driving something like that? If you were going off-roading, if you had a big journey in front of you, or if you were going off into the wilderness, I, I wouldn't even be worried. I'd say, hey, if I get stuck somewhere, I'm going to be good, right? Like, I'm, I'm here, I'm living like, like whatever comes with my, look at the size of those tires. Like, it doesn't matter because you have something bigger, something to get you out. And today we're, we're diving into this next section here in James chapter 1, talking about wisdom from God. 
And all of us face situations in our lives where we feel stuck, where we don't know what to do. Maybe something's going on at work. Maybe something's going on at home or relationship that's really important to you and it just feels like it's slipping away. Or you've got a really tough decision to make in your life and you just don't know what to do. You don't know which way to go. And it's times like that, right, where we're tempted to say, okay, you know, let me go and find the perfect Bible verse for this, this moment. But sometimes we can't find a Bible verse that lines up exactly with our situation. And the authors of the Bible, James, he knows this. It's in times like that where we feel stuck is when we need something bigger. We need wisdom from God because wisdom can guide us. God's wisdom can guide us through any situation. So let's take a look together at James chapter one. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open it up. If you've got the Bible app on your phone, go ahead and open that up and we'll go look at James chapter one together. In this passage, James, the brother of Jesus, is gonna tell us how to seek wisdom from God in the midst of trials and the strength and resolve that comes from that wisdom and how it can lead us in times of uncertainty. James chapter one, starting in verse two, says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We're lacking in nothing. Uh, we covered this passage last week uh, with Pastor Justin. If you missed that sermon, I encourage you to go back and give it a listen. Um, what we learned and what uh, Pastor Justin told us is that God can even use these trials. We're calling them to count them as joy when God brings us trials because he can use these trials to develop us, to mature us, to complete his work in us. And in these trials, we continue in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So the context of this verse, this letter was written to followers of Jesus in the early church. It was written by James, the half-brother of Jesus, to uh, the Christian believers, many of them Jewish Christian believers, who have been spread out all around the world. Many people think this uh, letter was written after the destruction of the temple when things had come down hard on Christian believers and scattered them throughout the country or throughout the Mediterranean world at this moment uh, for this reason. And a lot of times Christians were living in communities where their religion and their beliefs were looked down upon. Oftentimes, the Christian way of life conflicted with the day-to-day -day lives of the culture that they lived in. Many of these believers at this time faced persecution and hardship because of their faith. So this letter was written to Christians facing trials as a sense of direction, pastoral direction, and a sense of encouragement to these believers. So we see in this verse that James says a couple things. He tells believers to ask for wisdom when facing trials. 
He reminds them that trials, God will use trials to make them whole, to make them complete. But one of the ways or one of the things they need when facing trials is they need wisdom to know how to respond to trials. And he makes a couple promises. He says that God always gives wisdom. Always. This is a promise that you can hold on to. The Bible doesn't say that if you always pray for wealth or that if you always pray for health, God will always give it to you. No, the Bible doesn't say that. But the Bible says that God will always give you wisdom, especially in how to respond to trials, to suffering, to hard times. And it says, James says here, that he gives wisdom, God gives wisdom generously without reproach. Meaning that God will give you wisdom no matter your track record. Even if this is the first time you've come to God for wisdom, Maybe this is the hundredth time you've come to God for wisdom and you didn't listen before. Maybe you haven't been living the way that you feel that you should live and it's difficult to come to God in prayer. But James says, God gives wisdom generously without reproach, no matter your previous attempts or failures. And there's a lot of hope in that verse because all of us will face trials. The Bible promises that that in this world you will face trouble, says Jesus. But we take heart because he has overcome the world. So I don't know what trials are going on in your life. Maybe there's a health crisis you're trying to figure out. Maybe your family's not in the shape that you thought it would be and things have changed quickly and you just don't know how to fix it. Or maybe your life just feels a little directionless. Things were going according to plan and then somewhere along the way you kind of got off the rails and before you knew it, 10 years had gone by and now you don't really know what your purpose is. You're just kind of plugging away every day. Well, if you feel stuck or confused or hopeless, James says the, the antidote, what you need is wisdom. You need wisdom, and wisdom comes from God, says James. Wisdom comes from God. So James tells us that in the middle of these trials, in the middle of this suffering, in the middle of whatever we're going through, to ask God for wisdom, but not only to ask God, but James also tells us how we should ask God, because that matters. That matters in how we go to God and ask him for wisdom. So go with me. Here in verse six, James says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So he tells us a couple of things here when we ask for wisdom that we are first called to ask in faith without doubting. So what does it mean to ask God in faith? To ask God for wisdom and to ask in faith means we come to God in belief. Belief that God is there, belief that God hears our prayers, belief that God is active and can move and can work in our situation. James is expecting us to come to God with an expectant heart, saying, God, I know that you are there, that you are a good father, that you hear my prayers and that you can work in this messy life that I live. It's a belief in God 
his character, and his promises. That's what he means for us to have faith. It's not a belief in ourselves, and it's not a belief even in our own faith. For a long time, I thought for you know, God to answer my prayers, what I would have to do is I'd have to hype myself up. I'd have to work myself into some sort of fervor. I'd have to go to God and I'd have to say, okay, God, I need this to happen and I believe it. I believe it's gonna happen tomorrow. I believe I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna see it. I believe it, Lord. That's not, that's not what James is talking about here. That's just me hyping myself up. That's belief in myself or belief in my faith. James is saying, when we come to God, we have to ask him for wisdom in faith in, in him, in God. But also when we ask in faith, James would have had an understanding that we are asking what we might consider faithfulness. You see, for James and the Jewish Christians and many of the Old Testament saints, their idea of faith, a big part of their idea of faith is something that we might consider loyalty or faithfulness. And with it, it had an element of obedience. So what James is saying is he's saying, hey, when you're facing a hard time, go to God and ask for wisdom, but ask in faith that he, was, he is there, but also ask in a sense of faithfulness, a posture of obedience, that when we go to God and we say, God, here's what's going on in my life. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need your direction. We come to God with a heart of saying, Lord, if you answer my prayer, if you give me this guidance, if you give me this direction, I'll, I'll do it. I'll obey I'll take the step that you show me. Now, why does he put this in here? Because it is always a temptation for everyone, including followers of Jesus, to handle our problems on our own, in our own ways, in our own strength, or in the ways of the world, even sometimes in ways that are against God and against God's character. You know this, uh, there's that old joke of the man who was praying for a bicycle, praying that God would bring him a bicycle and he got tired of waiting. So he just went and stole a bicycle and then just prayed and asked God for forgiveness. Like that, we know that's not how God works, right? He's not like some magic, you know, computer where if we put in the right inputs, he'll give us our perfect output. God is a spiritual being with wisdom and a will and a mind, like he understands things. He's bigger than that. But so many of us are tempted to say, okay, well, I could find the right rules and the, white, the right way around this, then I can just kind of skirt God's direction, do it on my own, solve my own problems. We see this in scripture. We see this with the example of Abraham. You all remember Abraham? God made a great promise to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm gonna make your descendants like the stars in the sky. I'm gonna make you into a great family, a great nation. But Abraham was old and his wife was old and he believed God's promise, believed God would do it, but he didn't have the faith to believe that God would do it in his way. And so Abraham actually took matters into his own hands and he conceived a child with his wife's younger maidservant. And what we see from that story is that by Abraham claiming the promises of God, but then trying to make them come true in his own sinful way, we see that it brought, it brought a lot of problems and a lot of heartache to all the people involved. So whatever you're facing, James encourages you, go to God, ask God for wisdom. Ask him in faith and faithful obedience that when he tells you how he will call you to move forward, that you will go in the way that God has called you. 
And this verse also says that we shouldn't doubt. We shouldn't doubt. It says we can go to God and ask him for wisdom, ask in faith without doubting. The kind of doubt that James has in mind here is the doubt of if God will do it and if we can trust God to work things out in his way. The kind of doubt here is not those small doubts that come up when you're facing a really difficult circumstance. I think those are natural human responses to see, you know, I don't know how the Lord's gonna work in this way, but to overcome that with faith would be to humbly submit and say, God, I, I believe you can do it. No, the doubt that James is talking about here is the doubt where we, again, try to take matters in our own hands and try to work things out with our own plan. And he says, if we do that, we become double-minded. It's like we're moving in two directions. Like we go to God in faith and we say, okay, God, here's what's going on in my life. Would you help me? Would you uh, fix this issue? Would you, would you guide me? And then we leave these moments of prayer and then we walk out and we try to handle things on our own, sometimes in ways that are sinful or against God's character. And James says that we're like a wave being tossed by the wind, going to God and going to our own ways, going to God and going to our own ways. It's like we're being tossed back and forth. It's like trying to move in a direction forward, but then also taking two routes to get there. You're just going side to side. That's the metaphor that James is explaining here. He continues in verse seven. He says, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He, meaning the doubter, is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The doubter is double-minded, unstable, the idea that James is getting across here is that the doubter is serving two masters, either God or himself. And if you go to God while running your own schemes, James says, you're not gonna get direction from God. If you're having a problem at work with your boss and you're saying, Lord, how, how do I fix this? Can you move? Can you move in my life? Can you work things out at work? My job is miserable. I hate it there. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix it. James is saying, that's a, that's a good prayer. That's a great and holy prayer. But if you bring that prayer to God and then you go into the office and start lying about your boss, trying to get him fired, trying to make him look bad, James says, God's not gonna give you any direction that it would be foolish for you to expect something from God in that instance. And for me, the really sad part about it is that then this cycle compounds on itself. You go to God in prayer and you say, Lord, here's what's going on in my life. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do. And then you leave your room of prayer and you go and you try to handle it on your own. And then James says, God's not gonna answer your prayer. So then you think, well, God didn't show up. And the next time a situation comes up, you say, well, why should I even pray? God doesn't answer prayer. I have to do things on my own. Can I challenge you just for a minute? And I speak this with no judgment, but rather hopefully that this will be helpful to you, that this might be the reason you experience silence when you go to God in prayer. This might be 
what's going on in your life. Have you ever been in a group of people and you've talked with people and they say things like, man, I really felt the Lord led me to do this or I really felt like God was telling me to, to go this way or to say this thing. And you're thinking, that's never happened to me. I don't hear anything from God. Like, what are these people talking about? Maybe you aren't waiting on the Lord in the way that the Bible is saying. Maybe you're going to God and then asking him for things, asking him for direction, asking him for wisdom, but instead of waiting on God, you're then going and working on your own, and so God's not answering. My challenge to you is to wait on God's wisdom, to go to God, bring those requests to him with faith and faithful obedience and wait to hear what he says. Waiting on God's wisdom sounds simple, but it's difficult. It's difficult because God doesn't work on our timeline. Oftentimes when I'm going through a hard time, I will go to God seeking wisdom and direction and I want the answer now. God, here's what's going on in my family. God, here's what's going on in my job. Here's what's going on at home. Lord, guide me, help me, show me what you want me to do. And then I don't hear anything. And I want that answer right then and there. But we know from scripture that God doesn't work on our timeline. That God often has a bigger plan and purpose in mind than our comfort or convenience or immediate answer for us. And a lot of times God uses the waiting to shape us, to shape our hearts and to shape our desires. This crazy thing happens that if you go to God in prayer again and again and again about something in your life, what you'll see is that over the days and weeks sometimes months and years that you bring that request to God is that while you wait, God shapes you and even shapes that prayer. You start to think about it more. You start to hear from other people in your life who kind of speak into that situation or into something similar. You start to read God's word and your ideas or your heart behind what you're asking begins to turn more towards God and more in line with his will and his character. And God can even use the waiting and the prayer as a way to mold us and shape us and mature us, like James says. God doesn't work on our timeline. And the other challenge of waiting on God is that sometimes when we receive wisdom from God, we don't like his answer. The book of Isaiah says that his ways are not our ways. God doesn't think the way we think. God doesn't see things the way we see things. Our view is limited and selfish. God's view is much greater. His plans are much bigger. And God can use our trials and our difficult situations to shape us. And sometimes God even leads us 
through these trials, headfirst into difficulty to strengthen us for a greater purpose on the other side. There's this moment in the life of Jesus, the Gospel of Matthew, which is honestly just a frightening verse when we read it. But there's this point in the life of of Jesus where he's just entering into his public ministry. He's just been baptized. He's been uh, uh, starting to gather followers, just starting out, starting to teach. And Matthew 4.1 says this, Jesus goes to God the Father in prayer and direction. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There's this moment where Jesus is asking for wisdom from his Father and the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted face to face with the devil. Sometimes God answers our prayers and gives us direction that doesn't seem good, that doesn't seem like the smart choice, but his ways are not our ways. We know from scripture that Jesus would stand face to face with the devil withstand this temptation and that the book of Hebrews explains to us that we would then have a great high priest who knows and understands what it's like to be a human, to stand in front of temptation, to stand in front of a direction other than God's. So when we ask God for wisdom in a difficult situation, If we ask in faith, he will give it to us. And this direction can provide strength and hope to cut through the waves of trials. That metaphor that James uses about how a person without wisdom is like a double-minded man tossed back and forth by the waves. The opposite then is true, that a person with wisdom and direction from God will have the strength and resolve to cut through the waves of trials. That without wisdom from God, we're like a rowboat on the sea, just rocked back and forth by the waves. But when we are facing trials and the pressure is mounting and we're facing difficult situations and we go to God and we seek him in his wisdom in prayer, in faith, and when God gives us his wisdom, it brings a strength and resolve saying, I know God has led me this way, that we can cut through the waves. So instead of a rowboat, it's like a battleship just cutting through the sea, the waves barely making a difference on it. So are you going through a difficult time? Are you facing a trial? Is there something in your life where you just feel stuck, a complex, maybe emotional issue in your family? Maybe something at work or something even in your faith where you're like, I don't know the next step for me. I don't know which way to go. Well, James would tell you to go and seek God's wisdom. Pause where you are and seek God's wisdom and direction for your life. And when you go, ask in faith, trusting that God is good, 
that he will hear your prayer and that he will answer you. And ask in faithfulness, reminding yourself and reminding God that when he gives you direction, you will obey. And then wait on the Lord. His wisdom may come quickly, but it may take a long time and many, many prayers. Some of you have felt stuck for a long time. There have been things in your life, situations in your life that you feel like haven't changed. And maybe you have been faithful in prayer. I remind you, his ways are not our ways. God's timeline is not our timeline. And encourage you to continue to seek God in prayer. Don't give up. He hears your prayers. He's working in the waiting. Remember the promise of this chapter. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. God will give you wisdom. And when you receive that wisdom and direction, go and obey and see how God will use you as his instrument in the world. Because some of you are feeling stuck in a way that if you're honest, it almost feels like you're just kind of bored. You're thinking, man, I'm just in the grind day after day. I feel like I go to work and then I come home and then I go to sleep and then I go to work and then I come home and it's just endless. And you feel like you're in kind of a rut. Maybe this is God moving in your heart and in your spirit to let you know, hey, there's something more for you out there. But the only way you're gonna know is with God's wisdom. If you seek his wisdom in prayer. So go, go, enter into that place, seek God's wisdom, wait on his response, and then obey. This is the pattern of Jesus. We see this all throughout scripture that Jesus would withdraw often and go to a quiet place where he could pray and seek his father's will, seek his father's guidance in what to do next. And then we see Jesus go, sometimes Jesus goes into difficult situations. Sometimes he takes routes that the disciples are surprised by. But what we see in Jesus is a sense of certainty and resolve when he moves that whatever person he encounters, whatever difficulty comes their way, whatever happens, that he is there for a reason, that God has led him there for that moment. And this resolve and this strength is radical. And it's the radical call of Jesus in your life to pick up your cross and follow him. That if we seek God's wisdom and direction in our lives every day, that's what it means to follow Jesus. When Jesus says, come follow me, it means bringing your life and your days before God and saying, Lord, guide me. Give me your wisdom. How am I gonna spend this time, this life for you? There's this really powerful moment in the gospels where Jesus is out in the countryside doing ministry and things are going really well. 
The followers are starting to gather. Jesus is gaining in influence and in popularity. And he's praying to the Lord every step of the way of how he should move and where he should go. And then this phrase comes up that Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem. And things start to change in the life of Jesus. We know from the story that Jesus goes from the countryside into the city of Jerusalem. And soon all the followers who are praising him, following him, shouting accolades, turn into mockers and accusers. And the city begins to turn against him. The pressure starts to mount. The disciples are concerned and worried about what is happening. But through it all, Jesus' response is, my time has come. He knows from his time spent with the Father, the wisdom and direction given to him by God, that no matter what comes his way, it is God's will for him. And that if God is going to lead him into it, God is also going to lead him through it. The strength and peace and calm of Jesus is astounding. And what we see is that the wisdom and direction from God the Father is to lead Jesus to the cross, to be tortured and mocked and executed. And what seems from all worldly, earthly sense as a failure, as a bad outcome, as a great loss, turns into victory through the power of God. We know through scripture that Jesus goes and he dies on the cross and three days later is resurrected from the grave. And we know that God's plan and path for Jesus would lead him to the greatest trial of all. And eventually through that trial on the other side to the greatest victory in the history of humanity. Jesus defeated sin and death on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus now holds the keys to death and the grave. And after his death and his resurrection, Jesus then ascends. He is exalted, glorified, lifted up to the heavens, and seated in the place of honor at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Amen. This is the model of Jesus to put our lives and pour our lives out before God. Say, God, wherever you call me, I'll go. Whatever you lead me to do, I will then go do. And we know that that doesn't mean the ride will be easy. It doesn't mean that it'll be pain-free. We know that this road will lead to suffering. It comes for all of us. But we know that if we put our hands, put our lives in the hands of God and let let him lead us and guide us every step of the way, we know the destination and that the destination that he will lead us to is beautiful. The destination is heaven and eternal life with him forever. And so Jesus says, come, follow me. You're feeling stuck, you're feeling hopeless, you're feeling lost, come, follow Jesus. 
Go to God and say, God, wherever you call, I'll go. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that you will guide me, that you will lead me. And Lord, here I am to be used by you. And in the end, it will lead us low through suffering, through hardship, through self-sacrifice, through service. It'll lead us low. But we know that in the end, we too will be lifted up and exalted with Jesus, our King. Amen. So my call to you is to follow him. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you're feeling like you don't know your next step. Life isn't what you thought it would be. Maybe you could just really use a word from God. You just need to hear from him. My challenge to you is to go to God in faith. Seek his wisdom and follow him where he calls. Let's take a minute and let's close our time together in prayer. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes where you are? Pray along with me. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would be with us today that you would be with the people in this room, God, who are looking for answers. Father, I pray for my friends in here who are just seeking your wisdom in their families and they don't know how to respond. Something has come up and they don't know what to do. Lord, I pray that you would bring them comfort, but also that you would bring them direction, that you would bring them wisdom that they would know what you're leading them to do. Lord, I pray for my friends in this room who are seeking answers and seeking direction with their lives. They just feel like they're running in circles. God, I pray for clear direction from you. I pray for encouragement, Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would remind them of your love. And Lord, I pray for courage that they would have the courage and boldness to follow you in that next step. And I pray for my friends here today, Lord, who they're just at the beginning of the road and they know that there's something out there, something bigger for them. And God, they're seeking you. Lord, I pray that you would bring faith. And if that's you, I encourage you to just pray along with me these words. If you're seeking to put your faith in Jesus and follow him, that you would just pray along with me in this way. God, I am a sinner far from you. But I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, you would give me the life and the hope that you displayed in your son in the resurrection. God, that you would guide me into a new life with you forever. Lord Jesus, I'm yours. 
It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Hey, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for being with us, for uh, hanging out with us. Uh, if you are someone who is just starting this journey of faith and you're looking for uh, next steps and what to do and you're saying, hey, I, I'm just figuring out this whole Jesus thing, we're here to help. We wanna help you along that path and along that journey. A great way uh, to follow up for uh, uh, advice and uh, direction on what to do next is to go to cityrev.org faith. Um, that's a great way where you can go in there. You can give us your information. You can let us know uh, that you just put your faith in Jesus. And we would love to help you and partner with you and guide you in these next steps of this journey of faith. Well, hey, we're gonna uh, end our time with a, a time of worship. So I encourage you to stand together, stand up and worship with Thanks us. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.